You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Almost the end of July. Brendan, how has Fab Fitness Challenge been going for you? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a tough start for me. I got very, very ill, <laughs> like literally three days after it started. But, you know, we've been seeing good traction on Twitter. And I mean, that's all the challenge is about. It's really just a month of mindfulness and just being a little bit better. Um, than you were yesterday. So it's great to see everybody rally around that. It's cool to see a TCG community, the Fab community, rally around uh, sort of health and fitness for the month. Very inspiring. And I, I know last month, because uh, this month is quite over yet, the last year we did this was pretty pretty incredible. Some people made some amazing changes and stuck with it. And uh, it's really it's really awesome to see them in person at future events. It's it's just been a mm-hmm. you know it's been a great a great initiative I think. And, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's been uh, J- July. It's middle of winter here in Australia, so it's been. I've been finding it a little bit tough from a motivation standpoint. I've been trying to get out. I'm doing a. I don't know if I told you this, Brendan. I'm doing a race in October. Wow, I'm running, but it's like a like an obstacle kind of run. It's like 15 k's with like obstacles littered through it. What's it called? Uh, which is going to be. It's called the Tough Mudder. Mm, it's quite apparent. It's quite I feel muddy. Like I've heard that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, like that's like the of, classic, like uh, you know, you just hit thirty years old. And you gotta go get some get some competition. <laughs> well, I won't be thirty when I'm doing that. I'll tell you what. But anyway, uh, so I've been running, which is kind of not not new for me, but is something I haven't done in a very long time, and my my knees have been suffering a little bit. But yeah, no, it's been it's been a good fab fitness challenge month and uh, shout out to everyone who's been participating and posting on twitter joined in the the discourse on the arsenal pass discord plus you know everywhere else that that's sort of been um happening so congrats to everyone who's been putting in the effort putting in the miles putting in the i don't know the benches whatever you've been <laughs> what have you been doing putting in the the calories into your tracker uh anyway episode 120 of arsenal pass brendan and we haven't recorded in almost two weeks because we didn't early record for our last week's episode which brendan has been absolutely popping off the episode we did with brian gottlieb must be must be one of our most viewed uh episodes i think on youtube it's it's definitely our one of our most viewed outside of our set reviews that we do on the uh the pod but you know, a lot of people talking about that interview with brian and you you were right the question that got asked very much towards the end a uh, question that I posed to Brian has been brought up all through Twitter in, in a positive way, I think. You know, people have been talking about what Brian had to say around consistency and variance and flesh and blood. And he gave a, a, an amazing answer, basically, in terms of, you know, where kind of LSSC variance versus consistency as a part of the game of flesh and blood. So if you haven't already checked out last week's pod and our interview with Brian Gottlieb, designer on flesh and blood, go and check that pod out. It was, uh, yeah great interview one of one of my favorite episodes definitely yeah brian's a great ambassador for the game very articulate individual and uh had some had some really interesting thoughts regarding flesh and blood in the future honestly i was so impressed with his uh his presentations abilities i I think that he should consider starting his own podcast actually (laughs) well you know i i did shout out brian for being one of my inspirations for podcasting and uh, I actually was the other night listening to Brendan got some self, pretty self-reflective messages from me yesterday. And uh, I wanted to, we've actually changed the topic of the pod. We're going to talk about the battle hardens over the last two weeks because this Dusted All meta is starting to shape up and it's a super interesting meta. So we wanted to dive into that, dive into some deck lists, dive into these battle hardens over the last two weekends in Cincinnati and Chicago. We've got Birmingham coming up this weekend. So when the pod drops, Birmingham will be happening in the next 48 hours. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just back to Brian, you know, 
the Arena Dickless and, and Game podcast that uh, he was a massive part of. I think they did over 300 episodes him and Jerry T together. That was a Magic the Gathering podcast before. You know, Brian's decided to focus on all things his career and, and his uh, design gig with LSS now, part-time living in New Zealand. So Yeah, it's, it's really cool to have someone at the company that can be a resource like that to sort of be the bridge between the studio and the gamers and really articulate and make some of the, or I guess translate some of the things that go on behind the scenes to make them palatable to us, towards us so we can understand sort of the current state the game is in and the direction we're heading in, especially if we talk about things like consistency, like the design of Dust Till Dawn versus other supplemental sets, um, et cetera. And I think Brian is just a great person to sort of put at the forefront of translating that to us from the studio's perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, quick question for you, actually. Where couple of weeks into the start of the competitive season for Dust to Dawn, we're about to hit the first calling mm-hmm. with the new set. Where, where are you? Where do you think Dust to Dawn is shaking out? Like, do you think the set is all the things we spoke about two weeks ago on the pod about, you know, this kind of change in direction? Do you think this is a success in this kind of change of direction of supplemental sets? Mm, I think it's a little too early to say, right? Like, um, you know, battle hardened to battle hardened. I think these are they've been super early metas. I don't know if we can we can make a decision quite yet. Like we saw at something like the Pro Tour Baltimore, right? We had. I think somewhat of a bit of a dynamic meta with Azalea emerging, you know, we shifted over to old him a bit and then boom, we get into the pro tour and it's like, Lexi is so constricting on the meta. And I guess it kind of flipped a little bit later. It's like, it's actually old him. He's the bad guy. Uh, right now, it just looks very diverse. It's hard to sort of pick out the best deck. I mean, we've seen Icelander do really well, which is extremely surprising to me. Um, you know, just because of the Le- the Lexi thing. But outside of that, I do think it's too early for me to sort of have my final opinion on the meta and whether the set itself was impactful. And I guess would you? I don't know if you would you would actually say impactful and thus a success, right? Because does Dust Till Dawn have to be impactful on the current meta in order to be a success, or does it just have to be a well designed set that maybe scales into the future and has impact later? But so far, I'm happy that to one. be. Yeah, I'm so far to be. I'm happy to be you know, have access to the tools that we got in Dust Till Dawn with, you know, these new heroes, Leviathan sort of getting this tune-up, etc. It's created a very interesting dynamic for players that are looking to test and try to potentially break open the meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's jump into some, I don't know, this week in Flesh and Blood, I guess. you Have you started testing for nationals? It's Dude, it's it's five weeks away, US nationals and Australian nationals. Actually, I mean, at the time this pod drops, it's less than that. It's basically a month away. So, you know, have you been testing? Have you been getting into it? So I haven't tested yet, but I will give you a little <laughs> nugget. <laughs> I don't I, I usually start testing about four weeks before, to be fair, uh, even with Pro Tours and Worlds. But I do. I did find a testing team. Uh, this I'm going to be testing with Majin Bay and Peter Budensek. Let me let me ask you a question, Hayden. What hero do you think I might end up playing if my testing partners are those two individuals? Kano. Yes, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. But you can't put three uh, three people like that in the same room and they don't end up on some weird deck. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure. It's yet. like, go ahead. I'm going to make a meme. It's like three friends in a room. Will they play Kano? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will they kiss? I don't know. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, that's definitely a, it's a quirky group of individuals when it comes to deck choice. But, you know, Kano is definitely going to be on the menu. Is it good enough? It's. I mean, with some of the new equipment that was printed, also with how we, we've talked about Kano and, and the situations where Kano 
excels right in the past and a very dynamic meta is usually not one of those so as we sort of hone in a bit more over the rest of the season we see some of these calling results kano becomes more of a viable option and a potential pick i think right now it's it's a little bit risky still a very good deck but you know i think you'd have to get a bit lucky with your matchups in order to have success how have we doing a pod about you know the kind of dusted all meta and you've immediately gone straight to kano, kano even got is to the, the dust all dawn meta that's, uh, that's all right the all right, right the great equalizer uh, shut up <laughs> good uh good group of players you've got there to be testing with i mean i'm i'm undefeated against your team i'm pretty sure uh because i'm pretty sure you've never beaten me and uh those two guys definitely haven't i think i'm undefeated against my team as well <laughs> <laughs> no I've, I've only played once against i played uh against margin bay in in Lille and it was an absolute steamroll i mean i'm pretty sure every time i see uh, see Caleb we joke about that game because I don't think he really played Flesh and Blood it was a Briar versus Viscerai Mirror where he missed every Sonata I hit all I hit like the you know the Channel Mahara God draw uh, and then me and Peter got to play in the latest uh, Goliath Golden which was also a very good game so you know shout out to those two looking forward to seeing what you guys cook up I've definitely been hard at testing um, well hard I mean I've been getting to the point where I would usually be testing at this time which is playing a game or two most days sort of trying to gather some information drafting i did another draft sort of camp on sunday another couple mm-hmm. of drafts with our local sydney group i do okay this is i want to share this because if anyone is kind of feeling a bit disheartened about their kind of draft experience or heading towards this this uh draft for nationals i want to share my kind of story because i think i've done close to 15 drafts now with monarch since coming back to this format revisiting it this was my first 3-0 on sunday i have not 3 a draft in at least a dozen drafts so I just want to share that, you know, this format is not easy. I think mm. it's, um, I've personally been struggling with trying to get a handle. And I've 2 one I think, every draft but one. I think I won 2 and then I've 2 one every other draft. I just could not get that 3 I was just eluding me. What's and the, what's speak the to, biggest pitfall? What, what do you think is the biggest trap? Like, wh- where do you find yourself making the, what mistake are you making most consistently that leads you to a 2-1? That's the tough thing. I, I don't know. I, I think I would have been making more three O's if I if I knew that, if I'd already nailed that down. I, I think there's a couple of things. One, I'm not going to discount my competition. I'm playing against some of the best players in Australia in these these drafts. Like we've we've got together a great group of players to to test and and you know make it tough, right? Make it like a nationals draft. So, you know, amazing players is one. But the the second is also I think just understanding my seat in the draft. I think I've actually misdrafted a lot, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's happened. I, you know, I've definitely had probably four or five decks where I've been like, yeah, this is a 3-0 deck and I've 2-1 with it. And I think that has come down to gameplay. And there's definitely, I spoke about this or I think I spoke about this a couple of pods ago and I, I talked about it in the Arsenal Pass Discord. This format is, this Monarch Draft format does have a larger pool or a larger variance swing than I would like to see mm-hmm. but there's also these kind of like small moments in games that can punish you and they they look smaller than they are sometimes but um i definitely felt like i've, yeah, I've gotten a little bit unlucky but i've definitely mm-hmm. made some misplays in expand these games on, as well expand, expand on variant swing give us give us a couple examples of where what you define as a variant swing in 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 monarch is it in uh, the draft so- is it in gameplay it's in gameplay the, the draft is great i think the draft experience is, is really really good i actually think it's better with the i don't want to get into like card printings and stuff but i do think it's better with the seven class card versus the six class card which is what we will all be drafting at nationals because it's gonna be first edition but um and in the draft i think it's it's pretty limited i think the draft is one of the best draft experiences the gameplay itself i think all the heroes basically and i i've spoken about this before have 
pretty large chunks of variants built into their game design. So Levia, obviously with the banish mechanic and your uh, your draws with like non-blocks and your ability to play out cards and be able to banish and keep that hero ability ticking over once you kind of pull the trigger. The other would be chain and just your, obviously your shackles and your banishes and the power level of the cards in, in draft. Uh, a lot of the power in chain decks comes from your generics, not necessarily from the the chain cards themselves, the Shadow Rune Blade cards. But so when you do have kind of an average to strong deck, you do need to be hitting some of your shackles. So there is variance there. And then from a prison standpoint, I mean, for, for prism, it's it's about poppers, right? It's like, okay, does my opponent have poppers? First of all, do they get the poppers at the right time? And there is definitely play to that. Like, don't get me wrong. There's always play to these variance aspects. There's ways you can play in Levi to reduce the variance, but they are inbuilt to the hero design. Whereas I think in previous sets, they've been a little bit more weaved into the draft, a little bit into the gameplay, a little bit more how you draw, you know, fire mirrors and who draws what when. But this is like these big moments of variance that can, you know, basically determine a game by themselves. And it's really hard to play out of them. And then Bolton has less, but has the worst hero ability mostly and is kind of card disadvantage in a way. But, you know, you can have really strong, consistent Bolton decks, which feels good. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I mean by variance in, in Monodraft. Do you think that Bolton is the worst hero on average in Monarch Draft? No. Who do, what do you think is? I, I I think it might be Chain. Interesting. Okay. So, but, okay, okay. So I'm assuming by that you mean like a Chain that is contested by two other players at the, at the pot because that would be like an average bad case scenario. Yeah. The, the problem is, is I actually, I say that, but I don't think it's any one particular hero I, because I think that the what you open in these boxes and the generics that come because there's in monarch the other thing about the generics well there's generics that really lean class and hero specific i can use an example right it's like belittle in your prism deck is going to be quite bad a lot of the time whereas you know and brandish in your prism deck but it's going to be amazing in you know a is going to be amazing in your chain and your bolton decks for instance not so good in levia brandish can be amazing in your via decks and your bolton decks and your chain decks not your prism for instance um, so and the list kind of goes on with some of these generics. So I think it can come down to some of the cards that that obviously in that that box itself. Um, but then yeah, it's like I would you know between one, two, and three players in a particular class. I think when you get two, which is like you say the average, I think any hero but Prism can feel weaker. To be honest, can be the you know can be the mm. weakest average deck at the feast, table. Yeah, feast is it fe- a little bit feast and famine? So if there's two players, one one player's deck is significantly better than the others. Do you find that? Depends with the set and how early they got into the heroes. Um, but no, I would say it can vary from one player having a, a great deck to, you know, the other player having a pretty average deck to both players having average decks to both players having above average decks, depending on the card quality as well. So mm. it's that's why I think the draft experience is good because there is there is some variance, but it's the right amount of variance in the draft. And it does come down to how you play it and how you position yourself in the seat. But the, the mm. gameplay is right. If you could, anyway, I, what, I have one more. I okay. got to just got to pick your brain. You know, I got to play this freaking Nationals tournament, dude. I got to ask if you could land on a specific hero. So let's say we had an even split uh, in the pod. Yeah. If you land on a specific hero every draft, what would it be? And with an even split? Yes, even split. Prism. Prism. But only because it's an even split. I think it's hard. Like a lot of the time you are going to see five light drafters, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I do think that's still going to happen. And I think if you're in a 2-2 two, two, two split with an average card pool every single time, it's completely average. I think Prism is where you want to be. But you're not going to get an average card pool and you're not going to get two, 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 two splits every single time. Um, 
So, you know, like sometimes in a draft pod, just like card quality, I want to be the, like one of the two Levia. I never want to be one of the three Levia though. Like that is just never where I want to be. So, whereas if I'm one of the three Prism, it's like, yeah, I can probably still two on my pod. So, it, it's it's like I would rather be in the Prism, I think, as like a safety seat, but mm. I'm never going to force it. I'm never going to, you know, put myself into that uh willingly when i think the other heroes are, are more open for instance over your 15 drafts what hero have you drafted the most leviah okay what is the reason is, do you think that that decision was made um just due to the cards that you were passed or did you have are you leaning a little bit towards that hero i think i have a slight natural bias to leviah in this format because i i rate some of the cards that people rate like a little what? bit lower what i cards? rate a little bit higher i think give an example i think just I think just having this like amount of six attacks in your deck and, and drafting them highly, like a, a red smash the big tree, like I would, I would first or second pick that card in a weaker pack. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think I can kind of, you can kind of clear a lane for Levire a little bit easier. Like if you open a pack that has one brute card in it and you take it, like it's a, you know, something like a smash the big tree, I think you can clear the lane to your left of Levire pretty easily. And I think people are, are wary of getting into like a one of a three Levire. So, I do think you can often see yourself as to be like the one of the two, if not one of the one. Um, do you think- but that's a bias I have. I'm trying to move away from that because I think as people get better at this format, that's happening less. Do you think Monarch is still a format that is um, very dependent on you having a game plan and a way to win the game versus you know just having high qual- card quality and kind of you know maybe winning in the mid game or the early game? Like, how does the format sort of play out now that players have matured a bit more and you're playing in these high level pods? That's a good question. I think it's probably somewhere in between. Like it's definitely, you definitely still have to have ways to win the game. You can still get fatigued in this format. And mm. if your opponent recognizes, you know, that your deck is weaker and you're not using your cards efficiently, like you you can get fatigued, especially if they just have a bunch of three box in their deck. So that is something to definitely be aware of. And that can happen for even decks like Bolton, you know, where you have two weapons. Um, because if you're charging and your card quality is not that high and you don't have much damage output, like and your opponent does, they can actually fatigue you by damage. So... Yeah, it's how, it's interesting. How many cards are you finding yourself playing now that you're 15 drafting? Because we talked about this before, but how many cards are you usually putting in your deck? Like on average, it's probably like 32-ish, but it depends by hero. Like mm-hmm. Bolton, I would say on average, I'm playing 30 to 31 cards. Chain, I'm playing 33 to 34. Levire, I'm probably playing around 30 to 31. Depends on how many six attacks I have. I don't want to play like less than half my deck six attacks if I can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Prism, depends on the matchup I'm playing into, but generally 30 to 32 cards. Okay. Well, answers <laughs> all my questions. Yep. <laughs> Should we do a pod now? Yep. yep, yep now yep. that we've just had a chat. I'm ready for nationals. Let's go. Uh, yeah, there's the crash course. All right. Uh, okay. So yeah, that's we're going to talk about class constructed anyway, so we can, we can move on. Definitely be doing some class constructed testing. Let's talk kind of news quickly. Uh, this currently what's kind of happening so i guess the the main thing is birmingham this weekend brendan i will mm-hmm. be trying to tune in although european events are always really hard to watch for from me down down here but i'm going to definitely try and tune in i'm super excited to see what people bring to the table we're going to talk about the evolution of dusted on class constructed already but this is the first major obviously we've had battle hunts not they're not major but this is the first t- tier three event for dusted dawn that we're going to have so very excited to see what people bring to the table uh, skirmish season seven as well is about to cook off, uh, kick off and there is a gauntlet series done by some of my favorite people in flesh and blood so i want to give them a shout out one two juice brendan i don't know if you're familiar with one two juice but they are content creators out of malaysia uh they are at the calling singapore i got to meet them for the first time they did the coverage for calling singapore they are just an awesome group of content creators they are 
super talented as well in terms of the way that they create content and the, the, what they do. Um, and they're doing this Gauntlet series, which you can go check out. I think the last game they played might have been like Kano versus Chain, I think. Um, or there might be another game up now. But yeah, that, that stuff's great. And then congrats on congrats to the Battle Hardened winners, or should I say Battle Hardened winner, because uh, Raya won back-to-back Battle Hardens on Icelander. So congrats to Raya. Yeah. I mean, impressive feat. Like you said, Brody who? <laughs> <laughs> we have a new battle-hardened champion. All right. I think that'd do it for news this week. I did just want to quickly shout out some of the videos that we have been putting up as well. Brendan, if you aren't listening on YouTube or you're you know, listening on podcast services, go over to YouTube, check out the videos we've just put up. We've put up three gameplay videos, which uh, I think Brendan watched maybe one of them, but he's going to watch the other two this week and uh, learn, you know, learn some tips and tricks from myself and Nick. But me and Nick Butcher, current Australian national champion, current i guess latest calling champion is it the latest calling calling singapore um we play some games we duel we battle it out and i think there's what are the games we play we played prism versus lexi which i think is one of my favorite games i've played of flesh and blood in a long time we also played a, a viscerai mirror uh, sorry a runeblade mirror viscerai and vincent and then we played levia and two dorinthia so yeah go check those out on the arsenal pass youtube channel I don't know, anything else to say, Brendan, before we move into the main topic of the pod? No, that's it. I mean, you also mentioned the Calling Melbourne coming up or something like that. True, true. Yes, there was a Q4 premiere play announcement since we last recorded. I think there's been like an additional, was it nine Battle Hardens or something? So, Calling Melbourne is happening. Uh, Brendan, you going to come down and visit me? Dude, that's a Maybe flight. That's, that's a long flight for a calling. I, I'm not I sure. I come to Dallas for the calling. Yeah, but Dallas is way cooler than Melbourne. Let's be real. Biggest city in the world. Just kidding. One of the, <laughs> you know, all your friends are going to be here, so it's different. Uh, if they, That's I, true. I really hope that they do. Um, we talked about it before we came to the pod, but a pro tour or something like that, worlds maybe in that Asia or maybe even New, Ze- New Zealand, Australia area. I would love to come mm-hmm. down. But no pasture. I mean, pff, no reason to come down anymore, Hayden. Well, Melbourne, if you think, if you, if you like food, like Melbourne is one of the foodie capitals of the world. So I think you've got to, you know, people people in Australia love Melbourne for the food. Um, so, you I'm know, sold. a lot of good restaurants. I'm sold. <laughs> Other than that, Battle Hardens, yeah, there's Rio de Janeiro happening. There's Vancouver. There's a couple in the US. There is another in Belgium. Uh, there is one in Thailand and Bangkok. There's one in Hanover. So, yeah, a lot of extra Battle Hardens announced to round out the year. And, of course, World Championships happening in Barcelona, which, you know, we're going to be there. Looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Let's get into the main topic of the pod. Let's talk about the Battle Hardens. You know, speaking of Battle Hardens, uh, over the past two weekends, we've had Cincinnati and Chicago kicking off this Dust of Dawn season. We just spoke about Raya winning both of these on Icelander, which kind of gives you an inkling of maybe the start of how this format is shaping up. But I think fair to say, maybe a bit of a surprise that Icelander won both these Battle Hardens yeah. and is kind of maybe, you know, taken... I guess the question I'm different asking is, is, is Icelander just the best deck in this well, format? Is that- who, was, who was keeping Icelander down in the last format? Was it, was it, uh, was it Lexi or was it Ultim? I, I think it was more Lexi, right? Than it, it wasn't was Ultim. Ultim. Yeah. So well, that, I, that, I'm confused, right? Um, I'm super happy to see Icelander doing well. I would love to play yeah. this deck. It's one of my favorite decks to play. But I mean, I thought it was Lexi that was controlling Icelander. And we watched Rhea actually beat Lexi's in, in the finals. So, I mean, it's obviously a winnable matchup. I mean, you, 
If that had not been the case, maybe you could have made the argument that Reyes sort of dodged the Lexies throughout. They were knocked out by other decks and been able to emerge now that Oldham has sort of exited the meta, but not the case. So whatever this Icelander deck is, it, I don't know if it's favored, but it does seem able to beat the Lexi matchup. And maybe Icelander does make a comeback because it's a deck that it was like the most dominant deck by far. Such a good deck, but it just disappeared. It just absolutely fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean... We, I want to set the stage a little bit and we can talk about, you know, top eights, the heroes that have been represented, the heroes that we've seen from a meta breakdown perspective. But just quickly before we get to that, I do want to, you know, shout out, uh, I think, week one, Nathan, who was in the final of the Cincinnati event. So the first the first um, battle hardened to kick off the Dust of Dawn season. Maybe wasn't expecting Icelander. I know flipped AB0 into the matchup mm. uh, and maybe wasn't prepared for the new card that we've got to talk about this. We can't talk about Constructor without talking about Warmonger's diplomacy yep. and the impact this card is starting to have on this format. I want to maybe talk about that. Actually, should we, should we read it? Right should we read it? Just so people, yeah, you know, well, people you know. know. All right. Warmonger's diplomacy, generic action, um, majestic. It costs zero, pitches for blue, blocks for three. It says, starting with the hero on your left. Each hero chooses war or peace. If they choose war, the only actions they may play or activate their next turn are weapon and attack actions. If they choose peace, the only actions they may play or activate during their next turn are non-weapon, non-attack actions. So Hayden, why is this card good? Oh, sorry, have you finished reading the card? I know, right? It's a freaking... <clears throat> it's a, it looks like a roleplay card. Like This looks like a freaking like, um, like a UPF card. Why is this good? Do you know what? For those that said this card wasn't good, and I was skeptical of this card, and I think it's because I fell asleep about two-thirds of the way through reading the card, mm -hmm. as I'm sure other people did. Uh, <laughs> the card has a lot of text. So, the reason this card is good is because it limits what your opponent can do, basically, right? And it's a it's a blue card, so mm -hmm. it's a resource card, it blocks three, it's a non-attack action, and it can limit what your opponent wants to do. The biggest impact this has is definitely to Runeblade. You know, mm -hmm. Runeblade wants to play a combination of non-attack actions and attack actions. They have to choose whether they get to play non-attack actions or attack actions uh, or attack effects. They can't do both. You know, they can't go wide. So you you either block out on your turn, you play this, you time walk them, so they lose their whole next turn and you get to come back with a full hand. Or <clears throat> you, you know, you attack them with some attacks. They're like, I've got this amazing, you know, five card hand I want to come in with. And then you just slap down Warmonger's diplomacy at the end. They, they lose all of that value right that they were going to use on their turn and you've gained so much from it the other thing as well is against lexi in particular which is why people have picked this up is that if they have a face down card then they can't flip that card if they choose to play attack actions because lexi's action is not an attack action um so they're unable to flip the card up and then continue to have their turn with the new horizon effect <clears throat> so that's the reason warmongers oh. has been so good against lexi which has been you know the, the challenge for lexi players and that's kind of what we saw happen to nathan uh, in this final a couple of times was maybe not have a plan for this basically i think the card is very good i do think you can have plans for this card i think lexi can have plans for this card there are options out there to to play we've already seen people start to enact these a little bit you can play attack actions to go again you can really be really careful about what you ask and you can play different equipment setups um so there there is different ways to play around warmongers but yeah the card is good and primarily the reason the card is going to continue to be good is the fact that it's a blue that blocks three <laughs> so snag for instance you remember snag brendan yeah. if that card had blocked three how much better would that card have been in the chain meta yeah, it would have been a lot better because I mean the card. I mean the card still it still would have been titanium bobble, but you know at least it would have blocked for something. Um, yeah, I mean 
we've seen it time and time and time again. The blues, the block three that have any sort of preferential effect like this are super good. And especially in Icelander, because Icelander free rolls them even more. Yeah, I mean, in Icelander, you, you actually can't play this during your opponent's turn to get the value. You have to play it during your turn. But it doesn't matter. You want blues in your deck. You want block threes and this, and you want disruptive effects and this delivers it. Can you play Let's this during your bit. turn though? Because it's their next turn. So like at the end of their turn, you play it, maybe activate your weapon. You play out your turn. They don't have enough AB to actually interact and their next turn is still effed. Uh, but you want to you wanna impact their next turn, yeah. right? So generally, you're going to play this during your own turn. I'm just going to read the card. Does it say to start of their next turn or yeah. is it just for their next turn? Start, uh, during their next turn. Yeah. So you can, you can do that. Yeah. But I think majority of the time you're going to play it because I, I would assume, you know, like they wouldn't be able to really do anything about it if they didn't have AB, right? Because they're not able to interact with you anyway, unless you throw an attack at them. So you're still getting value out of it while the getting value. the instant speed um, interaction. But they which, can play around it a little bit. So for instance, bit, Lexi, yeah. right? So say you flip this on their turn. They're like, okay, well, I'm just not going to ask on the card face down so that I can't then flip it. Yep. Yep, do you know what yep. I mean? So that yeah, and same with I guess Runeblade is a little bit harder for them to interact with it, but they're probably gonna play Arcane Barrier and they can just throw all their cards to Arcane Barrier and you know set up for next turn. So playing it on your own turn is gonna generally net you the most value, I think. Yeah, and we know Icelander does that better than anything else, right? You're blocking with a couple cards, you go over to your turn, you play this card, you arsenal something, and now you're set up and yeah. Classic. Let's uh let's take a step back a little bit. Let's talk about these events over the last couple of weekends. Let's talk about meta. Let's talk about the top eights. Uh, we know we've already spoken about the winner. Singular. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the meta to start with. So Cincinnati mm-hmm. had hundred players. So good, good chunk, good reasonable player base there. Uh, Lexi was the most represented, fifteen players. So fifteen percent of the meta. I like when it's 100 players exactly because it makes the percentages easy to convert. So, thank you. <laughs> 15 Lexi players. What do you think the second most played hero was in Cincinnati? Because I know you don't have these in front of you. Leviah. Leviah was the ninth most played hero. 5% of the field. Where was it? Cincinnati? I don't know. Briar. Briar was the fifth most played. 8% of the field. Jesus Christ. I'm just, I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> Viserai. Viserai had 14 players, so one less than Lexi. Why? Thoughts? Why? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I think I think basically Runic Reckoning is a really interesting card. I think it is good in Viserai. I know people have said, oh, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit your play patterns. I think, I think they're wrong. I think the card's good. I think the issue people... So I think that's the reason part of the reason i think the other reason is that some people thought that viserai maybe didn't have the best matchup into ultim uh, so they got a little bit of a buff there again i disagree i think that's one of the reasons you want to play viserai and then the other thing i think that people kind of thought as well was that viserai uh is basically you know maybe people haven't worked out something to do with you know people liking runeblade wanting to play rosetta thorn might living legend soon might not so it is interesting that it's second most played, but I think, you know, maybe people were looking at Vincent, hadn't quite worked it out yet. We'll go to Viserai. <laughs> the problem I think with Viserai is that uh, in my testing experience so far is that it's been, I, I think it's close to being unplayable as a competitive deck because people are going to be, it's the worst deck for Warmongers to hit you. I think your Lexi matchup is still not great. I think if people are, you know, seeing rises in decks like Azuri and, and stuff like that, I, it's not really where I want to be. So I was surprised to see it second most played, but again, it was week one. Uh, just quickly rattle through this. Bravo was third most played, which you'd love. 11%, Dromai 8%, Briar 8%, Azuri 7%, and then it kind of goes down. Katsu, Dash, 
Leviya, uh, Bolton, and then every other hero kind of has like two or one players, only two Icelanders in the in the field. Yeah, I mean that's how it was. Um, sorry, what what tone are you giving us meta for? This is Cincinnati. Okay, no what I was going to say this because exactly what it was for Cincinnati. Yeah, it was two Icelanders. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what are your takes sort of on that breakdown? I mean, you just gave a little bit there. What about the Bravo? Bravo being the third most played deck. I guess people are just sort of coping after old him, or or what is that? I, I think it's natural, right? If you're a Guardian player, where do you go to first? You move from Alton to Bravo. I think, you know, uh, Bravo had a tough matchup into Alton as well. So got a bit of a buff there from Alton leaving. You know, potentially, I think people had these proactive plans they wanted to play against Lexi. I mean, if you think that you had a good Lexi matchup uh, and a reasonable Runeblade matchup, which our testing back in Lille, I haven't really played the matchup since then. Obviously, this is a year ago. Bravo was good into Briar, for instance. Yeah, just Briar. <laughs> I don't know about Viscerai, right, but I, <laughs> no, I, yeah, like, I, I, like I from the Viscerai side, I prefer that matchup. I yeah. prefer that matchup as Viscerai, but yeah. So I, I think Bravo actually interesting choice and a really reasonable choice from a theory standpoint for Cincinnati. So I'm not surprised to Drome, obviously, again, maybe one of the heroes that got the biggest buff from Ultim going, if not Azuri. Both those heroes being highly, you know, reasonably represented in this event, and then Briar, which you know makes sense. It's again an aggro deck that is on the cusp of living legend. I think people are always going to play that deck. Mm-hmm. Let's uh. Just snapshot top eight quickly. So in top eight, we had uh, just the solo Lexi player, which made all the run all the way to the final. We had two Briars. We had a Bravo, didn't make top eight. We had an Icelander, a Zuri, a Leviah, and a Dromai. So a really diverse top eight, which is super interesting. I think really exciting to see for the first event of the of the new Dusted All meter as well. Yeah. I mean, that's that was sort of where I was stumbling on this is like you were asking for, for takeaways on the meta already. I, I don't think you can take too much away from this. This this yeah. looks like a week one like a, a week one top eight, right? Like this is pretty par for the course. Then if we shift one more week to Battle Hard in Chicago, which happened this past weekend, I don't have the meta breakdown in front of me, but I do have the top eight. And mm-hmm. the top eight sees three Lexi, mm-hmm. two Icelander, two Dramai, and Elvia. So a much less diverse top eight, a much more you know, basically, probably I would say a top eight based on the weekend before, right? Some of the results we saw the weekend before and the strength of the heroes we saw the weekend before. Yeah. I mean, dude, the Icelander is really an enigma because we talk about the Lexi, Lexi maybe controlling Icelander in the past meta, but, you know, Jermai getting unhinged with Oldham exiting. Jermai is a worse matchup for, for Icelander, right? Like, that's a pretty rough one. Do you agree? Well, I mean, in this event, we see the Icelander beat the Jermai player in the final. Yeah, so, which uh, <laughs> what, yeah, we'd have to look at the Dromai deck. I guess maybe Icelander could be a bit more favorite against these more redline Dromai decks. Yes. Yeah, okay, makes sense. I think that's basically it. I think that is that is very true. Also, this is one of those matchups where I think maybe traditionally Dromai players are like yeah, it's close to a buy, right? It's such a good matchup. Well, not all I'm saying, but a lot of Dromai players and Icelander players. Some are like yeah, the matchup's really tough, and some have found ways to make that matchup reasonable. And I'm not saying it's favor for Icelander, but I think. You know, it, it's not maybe as difficult for Icelander or as, as dire for Icelander as maybe some players had thought. There are strategies there you can enact. We saw Raya do a really good job to take that match, uh, which looked, you know, a real comeback fight, I think, to win that match as well. So it, it's interesting. I think Icelander, look, Iceland is strong, right? There's a reason that Iceland has been, you know, so good through the last few meters. Uh, there's a reason people were playing it. There's a reason people are still going to continue to play it. It is a strong deck. It does something fundamentally consistent and strong, which we know is good in Flesh and Blood. Yes, Lexi is going to be a tough matchup for you, but 
if you're pretty good into everything else, you've got game into everything else and you you have this, you need to come up with like a maybe a different plan, which we have seen the Icelanders do. This is Arcane Icelander that won both back-to-back weekends with this plan with cards like Encase, mm-hmm. Icebind for Warmonger's Diplomacy for the Lexi matchup. You, know, you have options there. Yeah, absolutely. I was taking a look at the list and you pointed out some of the most important cards in case and Icebind, both three ofs in the deck, also has three Red Winter's Bite. Um, has opted for the Raging Onslaughts. I'm not sure. Tr- I wonder if those are just poppers instead of the Wounded Bull. I think. Yep, Dromai. Makes sense. And then, of course, the Warmonger's Diplomacy sort of rounds this deck out. Outside of that, very stock standard to what we used to see before. Um, you know, four, three sink blows, I guess, was standard, but, you know, some decks opted to not play as well. And, of course, the package of nine Aether Ice Fanes. So, well, actually, we have Red Aether Hail as well. So, I, I mean, it looks a bit. <sighs> It's like a mix between some of the earlier Icelander decks and, of course, like the Wounded Bowl-ish uh, kind of addition, um, which makes sense. I mean, this deck being able to come back into the meta is, I think it's really exciting, can shake a lot of things up, but not a deck I would pick if if we look at Nationals and maybe Lexi's going to be like a 20% plus of the meta. Could still be the right pick. Well, that is going to be the question. Let's mm-hmm. just take a quick snapshot of the PTI event the next day because... No Lexi's in the top eight of the PTI event, PTI event on uh, the Sunday in Chicago. Again, I don't know the player count in this. It could have mm-hmm. been significantly less, but the top eight ends up shaking, shaking out as four Dromai, Leviah, Briar, Katsu, Azalea. <laughs> so a very different looking top eight. You know, Azalea's popped in there, Katsu's popped in there, Leviah's still there, there's another Briar back in, but four Dromai. Is this, you know, is this basically, is the tail of the tape? Ultim's gone, Dromai's worst matchup is out of there, and Dromai is finding success. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Let me just flip it on you. What are your, what are your, what are your take? What are your takeaways from both these tournaments in aggregate? So you know, all of the data. What would be your takeaway for the class constructor meta as you look towards? Let's just say the calling Birmingham. What would you predict? Mm-hmm. Both predict in terms of what's going to show up and be represented, but also in terms of what might convert to top eight and potentially win the tournament. I mean, it's always hard to say, right? It is so contextual. Like this is early in the format. I don't know how much people have tested. I think as people test more and find strategies. For instance, I think, so no Icelander in this PCR top 8 as well. I don't think Icelander has, once these Lexies adjust, I don't think Icelander can have a good matchup to Lexi. So yeah. I think is it Lexi, Lexi adjusting adjust. or is it Jermaine adjusting? Because I think, I mean, Jermaine's adjust, like, it's got it's got to be so bad. Because maybe you can catch a Jermaine with their pants down. Maybe it's a red line deck, they just, you can sure. overwhelm with arcane damage. But if they are even, I mean, that matchup can be so bad. Like you said, I mean, some players look at it as a buy. I think as an Icelander player, I mean, obviously depending on the deck, mm-hmm. I mean, I looked at that as like close to an auto loss, especially if it was more of like the big dragon. They could pitch, they had all the arcane barrier, they're getting off early rake the embers, like there's Demi. nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. They're my, they're my, they're my. Yeah, no, look, that that is definitely one aspect of it. I think these Dromos can make sure that if the Icelander is going to be there, they can, you know, play a, a slightly different list or, you know. I think there's really two main streams of Dromo, which we've seen, which is this red line build and this more traditional dragons mm-hmm. build, right, that plays less of the attack actions. I think both have their merits, right? But I think you might see people shift between depending on what they expect the meta to be and also play style as well. I think play style is super relevant to how you want to build your Jinrai deck. I think actually play style might be more important than the meta because I think both those lists can have, 
you know, reasonable matchups into a deck like Lexi. They can be, you know, play maybe similarly or not similarly. They can play very different, but they can both probably find about the same percentage into an aggro deck, but it's going to be in different ways. They're going to do it in different ways. So I, I really do think it is about more play style when it comes to Dromai between those two sort of like streams of Dromai. But on the Lexi side, I think these Lexis are going to adjust. There's there's plans. There's ways that you can beat um, Icelander and their Icelander kind of lockdown plan fairly easily to be honest i think we're going to see those at birmingham this weekend so my prediction i guess on the back of this is that and what i'm taking away from this meta is that uh, levi is a real deck is the first one and and people are, are going to show up with that and i think if someone can find a more consistent list and a and a a way to i guess harness the power of these new cards we're going to see levi do really well mm. i think my testing so far has showed that levi is going to be ultimately the mercy still of of these variance patches that you just can't harness and control that's that's my take but maybe someone else finds something different and, and has success uh, or maybe someone just runs hot and just you know rolls well and, and does find success with Levi anyway uh, I think Jeremy is a very good deck it has got probably gained probably some of the most with Ultim leaving Ultim one of your worst matchups and people can say whatever they want but it's it's true <laughs> especially once you knew that matchup uh, and also Azuri, I expect Azuri to kind of show up, but it, I think that really depends on how much Icelander and Dromai show up. You know, if it's going to be Lexi adjust and Lexi is the deck to beat this weekend, then Azuri is a great choice. But if Dromai is maybe the deck to beat alongside Lexi, then maybe Azuri isn't the right choice. It's funny how we talk about Lexi and Dromai and we say th- those decks can adjust, you know, maybe they, there's other options that can be added into the deck. Maybe it's a game planning thing. I feel like the Icelander deck really can't adjust. We've added in the in case in the Icebind to, to reach the success we have so far, but I think past that, the deck list is like very, very tight. I don't know what, what cards you could potentially put in this deck to have a better matchup against some of those decks. I mean, of course, there's things like Singed, which I don't even think is good against Jeremiah, to be honest. So yeah, that's why I see Icelander maybe getting bullied out as the meta sort of um, comes back around and you know respects it a bit more. Aether Wildfire? It's, I mean, it's actually... So that's the thing about Aether Wildfire... You can do some damage with it, but it's uh, it's yeah. a super high variance in um, it is in, it is. in this deck. <laughs> but maybe that's where you take it. Maybe you take just play Kano the Icelander away from this like specifically consistent kind of build, and you go to this disruptive kind of deck that has combo damage, has this kind of more traditional wizard plan. I, I, there is, I will say, like we are talking about Lexi and Droma having the flip, the more flexibility. But that comes from, first of all, that Lexi has, I think, the most flexibility of any hero mm-hmm. in this format right now because of the way that you can incorporate ice, you can play completely fuseless, you can change up to be more disruptive with your arrows, you can be less disruptive and just be more damage orientated. You have like the the books, you have codexes to like set these in-game stacks up and stuff. There's so many different ways that you can build and execute with Lexi. And Dromai, we just talked about those two really specific streams. And then even within that, there's there's so many new cards that are impactful. First of all, also just wanna shout out, uh, we talked about Lost in Thought and I was pretty down on that card just because of like this idea that you kind of lose value and I'm super value orientated kind of look at Lost in Thought until I play with it. Having played with that card now, that card is a lot better than I thought. So I know some people kind of gave me some stick, especially during my players being like, this is everything we need. I don't think it's everything you need. I think the card is good, a lot better than I thought. Uh, but yeah, I just want to shout that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I remember that card being sort of uh, the talk of the town at one point. Well, people are saying it's broken. Definitely ain't broken. I mean, when people are like, this is the card. This is the best card. It's, it's, it's good, but it, it's not the best card. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> All right, Hayden, Hayden what? I'm, I'm going to circle you back because you didn't answer. <clears throat> you got to predict uh, Birmingham. Oh. Well, I think Lexi and Dromai. Those are the, the two decks of the weekend, I think, um, just based on what we've seen leading up to it. 
so let's okay, let's do top eight prediction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're gonna see three lick. You know what? I'm gonna say three Dromai, two Lixi, a Leviah. I'm gonna put a Leviah in there, mm-hmm. and a Zuri, and a Briar. That, that gives me seven. And what's my what's my wild it's a Briar? You're, you're in Europe. You have to put a Briar <sighs> in there. I d- dude, I, I'm struggling with Runeblade in this meta. Like I've started, I you know, I would like to play Runeblade. I have really struggled. If it's gonna be a Runeblade, it's it's gonna be Vincent or Briar, I think. Okay, Briar. You know what? You know what? I would love to say Prism, but I think the amount of Dromai that's gonna show up is gonna make it so difficult for Prism to to actually be good. Cause I would be like, oh, you know, maybe maybe uh Ian Zhang's gonna be there, shout him out with Prism. But I think even he'll probably play Dromai, to be honest, because of the amount of Dromai that's going to show up and that matchup's being tough. So I will say, you know what? I'm going to say Fi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody play Fi in this meta? Dromai. Okay. And some Fi truthers believe that you can have a good Lixie matchup. So I will leave that with them. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I do think it is good to Dromai. So fair enough. What about you? What are you gonna call? Oh, I, I don't call anymore, Hayden. I'm a, I'm a player now. I'm a player. <laughs> ah, damn it. Okay. All right. Any? I guess the other. Let's quickly talk about the state of Runeblade because Vincent has just been printed. We've gotten a few few more Runeblade cards, mostly Shadow Runeblade cards. Vincent looks super exciting to me. Brian on the pod last week alluded to this real puzzle to solve Vincent. Whether that means that there's a lot of power to be harnessed there, or you know, it's kind of like in line with other Runeblades. And has the similar kind of issues, especially with disruption. I don't know. Yeah. I'm interested to see where Runeblade kind of goes though. But I, I think that Runeblade is in a tough spot right now, given how good Icelander is performing and still the kind of like dominance of Lexi. I will say Vincent it seems like it might have the best potential to be good into Lexi though, of the current Runeblades. Yeah, I'll say that um the people I'm testing with, we we've already broken it. And I have to be a little bit tight lipped about the the Vincent there. <laughs> It's a you puzzle. Wish. It's a puzzle, as Brian would say. It's a puzzle. You guys, you guys will have fun figuring it out. <laughs> All right. Anything else? <laughs> no, that's it. I, I can't. I can't say much. It's. It's really. It's really going to be a treat for all the people that will be losing to us at U.S. Nationals. Mm. Mm. I'm sure we'll be after um, I go three drafts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good thing is you get to play class constructor first, so you get to. You have to be true to your word here. Mm-hmm. Prism. Yeah. I think Prism is good. Well, I think Prism is quite good, actually. I think Prism is, if you're looking at a deck that you want to hose Lixie with, I would take Prism, to be honest. My concern with trying to play Prism is that I think your Dromo matchup is quite bad. It's really hard for you to deal with a card like Rake the Embers. I think your Icelander matchup is good. So if you expect a lot of Lixie and Icelander, like I actually think for these Battle Hardens, Prism might have been like a really good pick. Uh, maybe especially the first weekend, um, but people you know might not have the testing, had the list, for instance. Yeah, I, I think Prism is is like a really good shout. To be honest, I just don't know. You know, if you if you could basically dodge Dramile Day, I would consider taking Prism to, yeah. to the coin. Dodging Dramile Day seems unlikely, but dodging Dramile enough that you can still top eight and then maybe win out yeah, like that. Be. That's something else, right? I I haven't seen we haven't seen much Prism and. Um, yeah, it's a good thing if you like because once Prism comes into the meta, Kano is not super playable. <laughs> that deck is Prism does also struggle with the Rune Blades, though. I will say that. But again, we just talked about potentially the Rune Blades being in a really tough spot. So mm-hmm. yeah, Prism has this interesting lane that could open up through this Dust to Door meta that I think is worth keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, what do you think about these mid-range decks? Things like Bravo and Viscerai, you think they're going to fade out um, as we head towards like the more competitive events like Callings and uh, and Nationals? Oh yeah, I think Viscerai is already done its dash, unfortunately. I tried very hard the first couple of weeks. I think we saw, obviously, Sycamore's played deck in Cincinnati did not convert at all. Uh, from what I understand, I haven't I can't. I couldn't find the breakdown, but I believe this ride was much less played in in Chicago the following weekend. I think it's already kind of people are already seeing the, the issues that that Viserai has. Um, I think if you were going to play a Runeblade, either you do a Brendan and break Vincent, or you just play Briar. <laughs> what about Bravo? And Bravo. Yeah, Bravo's an interesting spot. I I'm not a big Bravo fan. Neither of us really are on the show. You less so than me, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been pretty outspoken about you know calling bravo just worse ultim but there's no ultim brendan so you must admit that bravo has an interesting spot bravo starstruck is an interesting card yeah i mean starstruck is a good card i think it's an interesting card i just think that bravo is a it's an outdated hero that needs a treatment like it needs a levy treatment i think it's i think it's almost that bad like is it good into like phi yes you can beat phis if you tech your deck you can beat room blades and sh- but the meta doesn't look like that especially nowadays like nowadays the meta is so diverse and people are winning with i mean it used to be there was like a top three maybe that will happen again as we get closer to nationals or something like that but right now you're never preparing for just three decks you're preparing like for four or five at least and of course mm-hmm. there'll be some outliers that you face along the way but you mainly you like legitimately have to have a deck that has solid matchups and game plans into these like these top five decks and i just don't think that bravo is ever that deck maybe in a super niche aggro oriented meta where you can utilize some of these guardian cards that punish those kind of decks bravo's playable but outside of that i really think the hero ability <clears throat> is for the most part effectively blank yes sometimes you can <laughs> you can dominate a crippling crush and you have a big swing in the game but like that doesn't that that play line doesn't keep up with modern games of flesh and blood they are too powerful they are too fast and if you're paying two to dominate an attack it's just not good enough unless it's on some of your super premium cards like spinal crush so yeah i just don't see bravo i could be wrong you know but we usually see bravo start to fade out as we get Wouldn't to the no nah, it would I, honestly it wouldn't be the first time but i've been pretty freaking right about bravo being well, a bad hero i i mean you know i've never taken bravo to a tournament you know, a rated event yeah i have have you have you i don't know if have it you? was i don't know if that yeah i think that event was rated i took it to yeah i took it to a battle harden i had a match loss because i was late <laughs> um and then i lost to brody in my winning him for top eight when he was on briar and bravo into briar you would think like oh you can punish the rune blade it's terrible dude because rune like rune blade is not the rune blade of old uh, at least or i guess nowadays it's modern rune blade but Briar has a fridge, so you take all this damage, you have your one pivot turn of the game as the Bravo player, and they just throw a fridge in front of it, and they dunk you for 35 with Chinamah Heroic. It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> playing a different game. <laughs> Bra- Bra- so I think I have a slightly different take on Bravo, but not completely different. I think Bravo is a really good deck in theory in this current meta. In theory, you can build in a way to have a, a good Lexi matchup. You can have a good drama matchup with a high number of, of poppers and a, a really proactive plan. Um, I think you can have potentially an, an okay Iceland matchup, depending on you know how that game kind of plays out. And I think you know you can traditionally you've had an okay Brian matchup, right? So you can kind of have these like it's like oh this is kind of ultimate reminiscent. You know you kind of have these like good close to 55, 50 matchups. Where it falls down is in practice when you start to play. I think with Bravo and realize that. You don't have the tools that Ultim has when it comes to cards like Crown of Seeds and, and Rampart for consistency and ability to drive the kind of better hands that your deck wants to find and get through to your best cards in your deck. And 
in in reality what ends up happening is it feels like you just have kind of like a 45 to 50 against these decks rather than like a 55 to 60 or 50 to 55 so and that's a massive swing and that's kind of where i think bravo falls down listen i'm less off bravo than i was back when ultim was a deck i believe when ultim existed you were actually sabotaging yourself if you picked bravo over ultim at almost any point ultim was just a better deck i mean access to like pretty much all the cards that made bravo good anyway nowadays is bravo a legit pick yes i just don't think it's as well-rounded as the decks that are succeeding right now. I don't think it can compete in the right meta. It could be a pick, but I, I especially right now with how dynamic everything is, we're seeing vastly different top eights as we go from weekend to weekend. Bravo doesn't seem like the deck that thrives in that kind of meta. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think ultimately the hero. <laughs> it, well, you know, I talk about it getting a uh, getting getting a outsiders or a dustal dawn treatment but it already got that with start of the show i forgot about that and that was the most broken cards ever existed <laughs> yep yeah let's um let's have a maybe a quick chat to finish out on some of these deck lists we only have the deck list from cincinnati in front of us but you know it's it's interesting to see what people kind of innovations people have come with or or newness when it comes to heroes um the first one i kind of want to look at is we talked about where's runeblade spot right now yuanji bought a pretty interesting briar deck i think to that battle harden and top aided with it uh, came very close to winning the semi-final match which included aether slash yeah i know you don't have no clue what that card does brendan so <laughs> i mean i have it right in front of me so oh okay there you go i'm just gonna quickly if you don't know aether slash just the uh one cost common from it's from dynasty uh at red it attacks a fort and defensive three and says when aether slash attacks for non attack action card was pitched to play it it deals one arcane damage to any target the reason for playing this card is i think you correctly identified uh the icelander and dromai kind of matchups so this has good utility against droma you can ping off aether ashwings and still you know come up with a threat or kill a dragon you kill a mirage guy plus an aether ashwing with one card it's very good uh and then also into icelander you're going to be pitching cards so why not get five value worth out of your card when you're having to use two cards that's kind of where runeblade often struggles is like you have to you know utilize you're like okay i have a zero cost attack action but now all of a sudden it costs me extra card to play it and it only comes in for four and whereas you know this can come with five so very interesting i thought flex is another interesting card for you know very similar thing turns into a popper on on defense but on offensively against decks like ice and stuff you can go tall uh, and avoid kind of the the reactions of uh ice and then of course you have anthem of spring right as this new non-attack action for earth which is you know just adds consistency and then yuanji also played um mischievous meeps the the, the the cat card which you know I, I think this card is interesting um and kind of very good against Roma. I'm uh, sorry, against um, Dash at least. Yeah, why would you play three? <laughs> I mean, there's go again, right? Yeah, I guess it's, is it just good enough on its own that it's good enough to... You on can, hit draw card. Yeah, you can hedge with this. Okay, yeah. So I, it's it's fi- It's a fine overall card then, um, I guess. Yeah, because usually... Good on tournament heroic turns. Yeah, usually you wouldn't... Do you think this is... How often do you think this is cited in outside of uh, Mechanologist? Definitely non-zero, right? No, I think I think you're playing it most of the time. Yeah. You pitch a blue, red Earthlord Surge into this, Channel Mount Heroic Turn into this, Bramble Spark, showing your blue, pitch the blue that you showed to attack your Mistress Meat, which has natural go again mm-hmm. into your weapon or into another go again plus your weapon. Like Yuanji has built a list here that uses the blues a lot more, you know, than just Channel Mount Heroic. The kind of some of the issues I've found with Brian in the past is like Outside of Channel Mount Heroic, your blues are often terrible. But now you have, you know, more playable blues that you can actually play. Anthem Spring, he's playing Captain's Call Blue, which is, again, can just be two damage. Um, Force of Nature, obviously a great card. Tome of Harvest. And then also ways to use that with cards like Aether Slash, Mistress Meeps, 
um, obviously Channel Mount Heroic, Sonata Arcanics. So yeah, it's an interesting list. And then I think the that can lead you away from needing to necessarily play Tunic in a lot of matchups and you can play Diet Carapace, which blocks three and that card is just great. Mm-hmm. Yep, no spell void either. <laughs> which Brendan loves to see. Quickly want to talk about Levia. I think Pat's Levia list is, is really interesting. Um, well, I mean, interesting. It, it looks pretty similar to, I guess, the kind of core of what you would have seen from Levia decks previously with the updates. Slithering Shadowpede, an amazing card. Of course, the uh, the Demi Hero, of course. Grass of Darkness mm-hmm. is a great upgrade. If you want to see some some gameplay with some of these cards, we did just put up a gameplay, play a lot of these cards in the deck. Savage Feast is interesting. I think that's a way to fill up the graveyard early against decks that would just kind of pass against you and just kind of try and ruin your plan. Um, but otherwise, it's yeah, pretty similar to what we might have seen of of Levi of old. I wonder how much Levi is going to change. Like, I just I think if are people going to lean into some of these new cards, are they going to lean into a bit more of the variants uh, and then into the demi hero post that? We're going to see cards like um, Tome of Torment, for instance. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what people bring to Birmingham when it comes to Levi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good starting point though. Yeah, honestly, I don't have too much to say on Levia outside of you know, Pants List is really sort of the uh, the go-to benchmark right now, at least. And I agree with you. I don't see too many other ways to play it without adding in a lot more variants because I've seen a few other lists. Uh, we still Sam Dando playing Azuri. Again, I kind of shouted out Azuri before. It was an interesting pick for you know potentially a meta that's going to be heavily Lexi, maybe even Runeblade. Warmonger's Diplomacy is a great add to that deck. I'm surprised to see he didn't say didn't play Sensor. I thought that would have been a, a card you'd want to play uh, in in Azuri, but may, maybe it's not it's not good enough. I'm not sure. What are Azuri's bad matchups in this meta? Dromo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Icelander. So potentially two of the top decks, which makes it, you know, maybe it's still yet not Assassin's Time, unfortunately, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then the Icelander, sorry, the Lexi that made the final nothing really new from this looks pretty pretty similar to the list we've seen previously um looks like they're playing a version more similar to what i think we saw matt folks play in baltimore so this is like a version with basically no blues in the deck i think but looks of it uh yeah no, no this deck list is just wrong i think i think it has 58 cards in it so this deck list is just wrong Hornsting is just the the go-to right i think so i tried to play um i've been playing a few games with braces shock charmers oh no braces of blue Braces of Belief is interesting, but I think the one block into a lot of decks in this format is going to be more more relevant uh, mm-hmm. and also potentially one damage anyway with the, the Hornet Sting trigger. But I tr- was like, Shock Charmers could be really interesting, right? But I just don't think you're just too resource hungry, I think, for, for Shock Charmers and the way that your deck plays out to be able to active, get the activated ability. Um, so it's I just don't think it's quite good enough, unfortunately. Hallelujah. Which, yeah, music to your ears. I think that's all the list we've got at the moment. It's a really interesting spot. And my testing has definitely showed me that there's a lot of play in this format. There's a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of decks are viable. Uh, sorry, a lot of decks are viable. I don't want to say a lot of decks feel like they could win an event, but a lot of decks are viable. And I think picking a lane relative to the metagame is actually one of the strongest things you can be doing right now. So metagaming and knowing heroes and game plans is going to reward you a lot, I think, in this, in this at, least, at least that's my perception right now. Birmingham might change that, though. We might see a deck breakout. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, for for playing my own nationals, I know I'm much less looking to play like the the meta deck these days. I think I'm I, I tend to be a player that plays a deck that beats a deck, but I might be might be heading into my my Jimmy days. I think that's the name of it, where I play just quirky decks. 
that I find enjoyable. Yeah, which is Kano, which, you know, of course, is the best deck anyway. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, episode 120 of Arsenal Pass. We've broken down a little bit of Dusted Dawn meta. As I say, very keen to see what happens in Birmingham this weekend. Shout out yeah. to everyone that's been grinding, getting ready for nationals. It's, uh, yeah, it's been as fun as always, right? Anything else you want to add before we sign off this week's pod? Uh, I think at Birmingham is the real test. Like, if you look at the data from both weekend, both weekends, it's a bit conflicting. I mean, you know, a lot of changes as we go from week to week. But I think uh, Birmingham is the first real test, and we should see sort of see this coalescence of the meta come together to give us a clear picture of what is actually going on, what decks can actually compete. Um, so I, I know I'm sort of waiting on that so I can formulate my ideas for the Dust of Dawn class constructed meta. Yeah, that's kind of the same spot I'm in as well. Is been doing some testing, but going to kind of hold off the rest of the week. Kind of got my current thoughts, which I've just shared on the pod of where I think things are at, and we'll see what Birmingham has to show us. Awesome. Cool. Well, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Brendan APG Fian underscore Dale over here. Come in, or sorry, now X, right? Brendan informed me this morning I'm a boomer and didn't realize that Twitter is no longer Twitter. Yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. That's about. I think that they, when you tweet, it's called like NX or something now, but we've decided to call it a, a JEET instead. So X E E T, it's going to be a JEET. <laughs> Just get, All right, everybody well. get on that. We're, we're starting a movement. <laughs> we're going to start a lot of movements. Um, <laughs> Arsenal Pass patrons, big thank you. If you do want to join the Patreon, uh, you can check it the link out below if you're on YouTube. We've just hit, we didn't talk about this, we've just hit 6,000 subs, Brendan, on YouTube. So, massive thank you to everyone who got us there. We will probably do something special for that maybe in the next episode when I remember. Um, but I do just want to say a big shout out to everyone, everyone who's been checking out the gameplays, throwing the support behind the gameplays and the latest few podcasts we've been doing. It really means a lot. Uh, we are definitely ramping up content. As you can see, heading towards this national season, we will have things like deck techs and stuff coming as well. Some draft walkthroughs are going to come. I'm definitely going to throw up a draft walkthrough probably this coming weekend on uh, the Arsenal Pass patron. But if you do want to see it on the main channel as well, let us know in the comments. Like, what kind of content are you wanting to see for this national season? Is it is it deck decks? Is it draft walkthroughs? Is it, you know, uh, more gameplay? Uh, let us know. If there's players you want us to have on the podcast, you know, we had Brian on last week. Let us know as well. We're open to having players on to discuss to discuss the meta, to discuss any sort of budding topics as well. So if anybody on the tip of your tongue, let us know. We'd love to hear us. Then that goes the same for deck decks. People you want us to have on the podcast talk about specific decks and we can get them to do deck text and deck guides that we can throw on to patreon as well just let us know in the youtube comments below and like hayden said we're going to do something for six thousand subscribers so stay tuned to uh arsenal pass on x you can check us out on x and you know we'll get we'll get that sheet out soon all right see you next week bye everyone